Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a sunny day here in the capital as once again we bring together a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. I am your host Scott Challoner and I'm delighted first and foremost to be joined on today's programme by Caroline Trotman. Caroline is the marketing manager at Web Expenses, an Oxfordshire-based company which specialises in eliminating manual financial processes, increasing spend visibility and reducing errors. We will be joined a little later on in the programme by Web Expenses CEO Adam Reynolds. But for now, Caroline, very warm welcome to you and thank you ever so much for joining us on today's programme. Good morning. Thank you so much. Good morning, Caroline. It's a pleasure having you with us. Um, So if we dive straight in, the reason we're here, of course, is to discuss leadership and really bring that into focus. Um, What does the word leader actually mean to you? What is a leader's role in your eyes? Uh, so for me, um, the role of a leader is somebody who's inspiring and somebody who who people trust. Um, from my experience, it's somebody who's clear about the goals and somebody who you want to follow to support achieving those goals as well. And if you were to describe your own leadership style, if you will, how would you go about describing that? Um, that's a good question. I would say I'm I'm collaborative, so I've always worked within teams. And I have a collaborative style, trying to bring the best out in people. I'm extremely passionate about about my role, about marketing, and about the, the you know the business I work for. Um, and I like to think I have high standards um, and and bring the team in to help achieve those. I think it's also important to listen to the team and learn from the people around you and build that into your build it into your style. And I suppose this generation of business leaders is also going through one of the greatest challenges of our time in the form of the COVID-19 situation, no less. Um, I think in light of that, it would be remiss of me not to ask how it's affected you and your operations as a company. So um, obviously, COVID-19 has had um, an impact on businesses um, throughout the world. And, you know, we, we are certainly experiencing some, some challenges. Um, we set out the year with, with a clear plan of what we wanted to be doing. Um, and obviously things things have changed that so yes we you know we are sort of impacted but we are we are kind of replanning we're, we're moving through and you know the leadership we have within web expenses is is very clear it's very transparent and um and we're we're certainly being being as agile as we can to sort of maneuver ourselves through the situation and of course, during a time of difficulty such as COVID-19, I suppose the natural reaction for an employee in any business is to look to their executives, managers and directors for that little bit of inspiration, direction and reassurance as and when they need it. But when you are in a management role like yourself, of course, it can be a little bit of a lonely place, almost being at the top and leading a team, can't it? You have to be very selfless in those circumstances. So when you need a little bit of inspiration for yourself, Caroline, where is it that you tend to look for that? Um, well, actually, I'm fortunate within Web Expenses we have we have um, a management community. So we've I've got peers who I can um, who I can discuss things with, who I can talk to, and who provide support. I have to say the um, the support that's been provided for employees um, to throughout the pandemic has been fantastic. We've got lots of um, management sort of um, groups in place. We've got support for employees, and uh, you know I, I feel very fortunate that I do have that management peer group that, that I can talk to you about things. And just how important do you think that mental health is in leadership, both in terms of safeguarding your own and also that of those around you as well? 
fantastically important. So, you know, we're very aware that, um, you know, this, this situation can have negative impacts on people um, in their role, but also just to the very nature of not being in the office every day. So we went from, um, we went to being fully remote working within within a couple of um, couple of days. And, you know, there's the certain people who, perhaps don't have the you know a fantastic setup at home and um, they, they live on their own so we, we've got measures in place to make sure that these people are supported you know we're talking daily um, to these people you know over um, video calls the telephone we have um, we have our, our kind of virtual tea breaks so people can hop onto a, a video call and have a cup of tea with a colleague who they might not be seeing um, so we're, we're very aware that we need to look after our employees. Um, you know, mental health, and there's lots of things in place to try and support that. And how has it been for you leading teams from a distance with everybody working remotely? It's been interesting. Um, I think, you know, I've, I've had some previous experience of working with um, remote members of the team. We have um, international teams as well. So I have colleagues in Australia and the US that I don't see, but I work very closely with. So that's been a good experience to bring that in. So, you know, being able to maintain relationships well through video communications um, and sort of regular catch-ups. My own team that I manage in the office, you know, I've, I've certainly missed having the face-to-face time with them. Um, but we have daily um, calls every morning just to sort of say hi and run through what the projects are, what the deliverables are. And again, just checking in that everyone's okay. They have what they need. They're feeling okay. Um, and just having that regular contact. And would you say that the experience of helping manage the business through a crisis has taught you anything and there's something positive to take out from this quite difficult and quite sensitive time? Yes, I would. And I think it's, I, I think, you know, as difficult as things are, it's very important to look at some of the positives. And I think, you know, we're all, we're all going through these challenging times together and, and everybody's got different sets of challenges that they're dealing with for us I think you know it's made me see the positives in other areas that um you know we were aware of but actually their importance has has grown even more so I think from my side the positives are we've been able to look at that you know the marketing function the processes the tools that we use and being able to look at what's working and invest more into the, the more areas that are performing better for us it's helped us review our messaging. Um, so actually, you know, what we're saying out to to um, to companies, to prospects, and actually being more supportive and appropriate around how we message about our business, about our solutions, and how we can offer help. Um, and I think one of the probably the largest positive for me is our engagement with our customer base has, has really dramatically increased. And we've always been a business that's had high customer service um, standards. We you know we have a really um, big customer support program in place but throughout this time we've we've offered even more free training free support to our customers and to all of our end users to try and add value and to try and be visible to them to help them through and the, the engagement and the feedback that we've been receiving from our customers has been really pleasing so that's that's been a real positive for us and finally just before I let you go Caroline um, based upon the experience that you've had running, of course, the business in your role, both pre-pandemic and also through the crisis. If you were to give some advice to somebody who was maybe about to start their first day in a leadership role within a business, what advice would you give them? I would say um, be yourself. Everyone has different leadership styles. Um, and I've certainly learned that through through my own experience. Um, it's not about 
being um, the one with the loudest voice. It's about being a good listener and about being passionate and being somebody who wants to work with people and knows that the people around them are going to help them succeed and ultimately the business will succeed. Caroline, it's been an absolute pleasure having you join us on the uh, programme uh, today. And I think it would be fantastic, just given how informative it's been having you join us to catch up in future and have you back on the uh, the programme, just to hopefully see where things are at with web expenses in a few months' time. Thank you. It's been great to talk to you today, Scott. Likewise, Caroline. And most importantly, do continue to take care and stay safe with all still going on as well. Thank you. You too. I was speaking today to Caroline Trotman, Marketing Manager at Web Expenses. And we're now joined on the programme by Web Expenses CEO, Adam Reynolds. Adam, thank you ever so much for coming in. No problem, Scott. Real pleasure having you join us as well today, Adam. Um, Given that the real aim of this discussion is to talk about leadership and really bring that into focus, I'm interested to understand what that word leader actually means to you first and foremost. What is the role of a leader in your eyes? Um, That's a good good question to start with. Um, I think working for a business but especially running a business is a journey and i think what i look upon leadership to be is try and take people along that journey with you so that is being transparent being honest with either the situation or aspirations and aims um, different scenarios as they arise but really ultimately taking people along along that journey so bringing good people into the organization allowing them the opportunity to flourish and I suppose ultimately as well from my side not asking anyone to do anything that you wouldn't be prepared to do yourself. Now leadership Adam has really been put to the test lately I think it's fair to say with the emergence of COVID-19 no less. Um, tell me how, what, how, what is your take on sort of how your business has been forced to adapt to meet the challenges of this new reality? So there's been a number of things that have arisen. So there's been some logistical elements. So we made the decision very early on to follow all government guidelines. We were able, as a technology organization, to make the transformation to home working quite easily. We have the the tools and technologies in place, which would enable everyone in the organization to, to work from home effectively. What we're then being conscious of as well is that people are, physically able to work from home, but are they able to do their do their job? Mm. So we've been constantly checking around their capabilities, but also how they're feeling as well. So some individuals we're aware have got challenging scenarios, potentially from a childcare scenario. Some people are on their own for extended periods. So we've been really trying to make sure that we're able to be functioning as an organisation, but also the individuals within the business are also being able to function. And given that people react to different circumstances in different ways as well, I suppose this period has also required a whole new dimension of people management from your perspective, because others um, will have been inclined to sort of carry on um, as before. People will sort of just get their heads down and get on with it under new sort of working procedures, while others might just need that little bit of extra help to adapt, that little bit of extra reassurance as well. Yeah, absolutely. We, as a technology organization, use a development framework called Agile, which is all around um, a collaborative working mechanism, talking on a daily basis and understanding where we are in that development cycle, 
feeding back suggestions and moving on. And one of the things we've really embedded in the organisation throughout the different departments since we've started working home is that idea of agile as well. So taking some of the practices they utilise but embedding them into the different areas to ensure that we're used to seeing each other on a daily basis. So you have those quick catch-ups, the, here's a question I've got, what about, what does this look like? And that changes significantly when you are, are from home. So ensuring that we can use those practices and having things like daily stand-ups, catch-ups, we've been doing things around well-being as well. So ensuring that we've got um, our people team are leading kind of a, a well-being initiative as well around ensuring that people are okay with the, the surroundings as well. So we've been looking at how we can ensure that we are working effectively and, and how we can ensure that we've got the pieces in place to support the people as well. Now, um, I did put this to uh, Caroline as well, actually, Adam, but um, the natural reaction, I think, in any sort of circumstances where there is difficulty within a business as an employee is to look above you in the hierarchical ladder of the business for inspiration, direction and reassurance that, that there are plans in place and everything's going to be fine as such. Um, but when you yeah. are in an executive position at the top of that ladder in the business and there's nobody really above you to refer to, where is it that you tend to look to for inspiration as and when you need it? Yeah, we. I'm, I'm very fortunate in the organisation. The the chairman of of the, of the group is someone I've, work, I've worked with for a long time, and I have a very good working relationship with him. So I'm able to uh, bounce ideas and views off. What I also though take, and as cliche as it sounds, is inspiration from the people within it. Yeah, I think one of the things we've looked at in terms of some of our KPIs is I don't think we've ever had such a productive time. So. I'm fortunate that we have a great team who are able to you know, crack on with things and want to make a difference. What we've also then had to do is just be as honest and transparent with the individuals within the business as possible. So it's you, know, you can't shy away from the fact that COVID has caused a number of challenges and we're in a, facing a scenario we've maybe not seen for 100 years where you've got this kind of global global pandemic. So we have to be honest with people about the scenario it's creating and some of the challenges that are arising and there's no point shying away from that. So we've been very honest. As a business, we've done we've put some mechanisms or some kind of pieces in place that have enabled us to react to the scenario. So we've cut our cloth accordingly. We've ensured that we're trying to support the clients as well. So mm. giving them full visibility. I think anything that causes a significant change like this can cause concern. But also people can very much embrace change as well. So um, we've, I've been doing a number of videos, a number of business briefing updates, almost more, almost more regularly than I have. That seems to have then sparked a good response from the, the, the um, team as well. And we've just been able to kind of take what's coming in our stride and look to move forward from there. So um, I think that's, you know, that bit hasn't been a challenge. Motivation hasn't been a challenge. We think as an organization, there's still a number of opportunities for in the future. And you know, when we're looking at and seeing some of the pieces that are coming around digital transformation, we believe that ultimately this might be a big benefit for our organization. I think um, there's a lot to take away from that in the sense that times of adversity do certainly bring out the uh, the best in people. Um, when the chips are down, people really do stand up and be counted. And you also mentioned the importance there of clarity and transparency within the business as well, with both employees and clients alike. Um, 
You mentioned, of course, you made a decision early on as a business to follow government guidelines quite closely. And of course, there's been a great deal of debate as to just how clear some of those um, pieces of advice have been. From your point of view, have you been satisfied throughout the pandemic period so far that you've fully known exactly what's expected of you to continue operating safely? I haven't had any individual or personal challenges, and I don't think the organisation really has. I think you've got to have empathy with everyone in this scenario, and the government are facing a challenge that is unprecedented. So there is no right or wrong, and there's only the way that they can think is the best for um, both the health of the health of the nation and the economy of the nation, which are two things that can um, be a little bit counterintuitive sometimes as well. So we we think they've been pretty clear. There's always going to be things that you can moan about on an individual level or there's something that might affect you. But I haven't personally had a problem in terms of the approach. Um, we were given clarity around the ability to work from home if we could. We've been given timelines about how to how to bring people back. We, we recognize as an organization that there is a balance to be had around the economy. We think there's been a lot of support mechanisms in place for businesses as well. So mm. I think I think we've got to say that they've done a good job uh, of against the backdrop of exceptional exceptionally difficult circumstances. We've got offices in Australia and the US, and when I compare the initiatives that the UK government has put in place, I think you've got to reflect that they've been largely positive, especially around the kind of things like the furlough support schemes, the government loans to help businesses during during this time. And if we sort of fast forward two years when hopefully COVID-19 is no longer an issue, do you see the office environment still having a place in the modern kind of work environment as as being back and fully in vogue in a sense? Or do you think that people will be more likely to be working remotely on an individual basis even at that point? I think this will give people an opportunity to change slightly, but uh, there was an interview I saw with a guy called Simon Sinek, and he really articulated it well when he said, we're sociable animals. Mm. We crave that sociable side of things. So I don't think the office environment will ever be entirely phased out. I think we are more productive and we work better when we are in a group. The whole nature of collaboration becomes much easier when we can see people face to face. And despite there's been many positives about being able to work from home, but also there has been some pieces which I think people have found challenging and none more so than that kind of isolation that it can bring. So what the office environment can do is it can bring support, it can bring clarity, it can bring uh, an ease of access to questions. And I think also people are starting to experience some real video fatigue as well. There's only so many times you can tell someone they're on mute without it becoming a little bit arduous. And what we are trying to do on the uh, the programme uh, this week as well, um, Adam, is actually find some silver lining in what's been a real dark and dense cloud over um, all of us. Um, are there any positives as a business that you can take from the last few months in the lockdown period? Oh, always. I mean, yeah, one of the things that we try and look at within web expenses is in any scenario to look at what the positives are. So we've been able to, um, the test that it's, um, applied to our to our team I think they've come through in flying colours so it's just reinforced the message that I've got great people that I work with on a daily basis um, despite the challenges the tools we provide have still been selling so that demonstrates that a lot of the kind of pieces that we talk about and the benefits they can provide are are, are kind of validated 
we've got a great client base who have been really supportive of the organization. We've looked at how we can be more agile and we've forced ourselves to deliver more. So there's some really exciting projects that are running internally to come to ensure that when we bounce back, we bounce back um, quicker. We know from some of the studies we're doing within our base that digital transformation is going to be a major focus for a lot, a lot of organizations. They're going to see this period and look to adapt and amend their processes. It will highlight it any that are a real challenge. And on a personal level, there's some probably benefits that will take away as well. You know, I've, I've spent probably more time with my family in the last three or four months than I had done in the year before it because I've seen um, them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. So that's been an enjoyable side of it as well. So um, I think there's really, there's a lot of positives that you can take away from this period. And it will, I think ultimately, it's going to identify what businesses are strong. It's going to yeah. look at, highlighting where there's particular challenges that you have to fix. There's always, there's, there's probably a number of things that organizations have thought, well, it's an issue, but it's not a major issue. This has maybe shone it in a different light, but there's, there's plenty of things that we'll take away on a positive basis. And I think that we we think that it's going to kind of, it's going to ultimately slingshot our organization further forward. That's certainly uh, very positive to uh, to take um, away from that. And we know that over the course of the next year as well, Adam, we are going to have to adjust as a society to a new way of living and a new way of working until we emerge from the pandemic. So over that period of time, what is next for you and for web expenses and what do you hope to achieve as a business? That's a good question. I think we're gonna we're gonna see it evolve, aren't we, as we come back and we don't quite know what, what rules or regulations will be in place. We provide a number of different pieces of software that allow people to help manage both the finance and the HR function. And we believe that there is a, an absolute requirement for them, which is going to continue to grow. So we're really focused on developing and improving those pieces so that when or as people continue to kind of analyze them, they are, they're in place and able to be utilized. Seems like there's plenty to get your teeth into over the course of the year, the next year, Adam. And hundred percent. And I think just given how informative it's been having yourself and Caroline joining us on the uh, the program today, it would be wonderful to welcome you both back onto uh, the show with us in future, just to see how things at Web Expenses are getting on behind the scenes in a few months, and we can reassess, of course, just at what stage we're at in the recovery as well. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, one of the things that we're looking at is you know, we provide a solution which helps people when they're travelling there's been less travel. So we're obviously looking at what, how will that affect our, our kind of our flagship element. But we think that people will still, will still kind of, will still travel. There's um, different expenses that are incorporated. I think we've seen a lot of benefits in video calling, but I still think there's a real place for uh, being able to see people face to face. And I think we've, you know, we've got to balance the medical side of things alongside the um, business side of things, just like the government are trying to. And it's the innovation and success that really makes it all worthwhile in the end, ultimately, isn't it? 100%. 100%. You can either kind of look at a challenge as uh, an obstacle or you can look at it as an opportunity. And we're trying to very much look upon it as an opportunity. That's the best way to look at it for sure, Adam. I have to say, it's been a real pleasure having you and Caroline joining us on the uh, the programme today. And to the both of you, until we do hopefully speak again in future, please do take care and stay safe with all still going on. And let's keep our fingers crossed that it's all going to be positive trajectory from here. Brilliant, Scott. Appreciate your time. It'll probably never just be a positive trajectory. It's always, it's always uh, mm-hmm. with any business, it always undulates, doesn't it? But hopefully we'll be on the right side of it.
Yeah, let's certainly hope so, Adam. It's been a real pleasure having you on with us. Um, coming up next on the um, the programme today, of course, I'm going to be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with England's 1966 FIFA World Cup hero, Sir Jeff Hurst. Um, during his professional football career, Sir Jeff scored over 200 league goals for the likes of West Ham United and Stoke City, but he remains most renowned for the fact that he is the only man to this day to have scored a hat-trick in the final of a World Cup after his treble in England's 4-2 victory over West Germany at the Old Wembley Stadium. Stadium 54 long years ago now. In fact, it's 54 years tomorrow. Um, for the benefit of those listening in, we are recording on the 29th of July 2020. The World Cup finals, of course, took place on July 30th, 1966. I hope that you all enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan relished the opportunity to speak with hat trick hero Sir Jeff. And all of that is, of course, coming up next. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did... Uh, score nothing for Essex uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool a place called uh, uh, Egbert in in, uh, in Liverpool many many years ago 1962 I think that was so I didn't and, um, yes I, I didn't really feel it at the time it was lucky to be <laughs> playing I guess there were one or two injuries um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports that was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time mm. being stuck between the two sports and I think uh, for those that uh, don't know there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer but um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated no matter what form that comes in when you were at West Ham uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him, and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years. I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it Peters 
I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence. Um, me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to, to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict. But at a time, you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, South so uh, sharply? 
Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, in Denmark. Mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play, and didn't start because of just a lack of form, I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out now. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. There's too long to talk about both questions. 
Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked: Did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows." <laughs> I joke and make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be uh, it's too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a at a dinner in in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden I had a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> What a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then I, again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, a laugh that day. If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. 
and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well, he's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, well, the, the answer, straightforward answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many... Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me: the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish 
after the 66, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't, and when, it, when you put those, those questions and how you categorize those, I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. You- we had some great players, of course. But without the attitude okay. alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word, the, word is team. The, word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. You know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, wait, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organization. And I think that's. You're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go with the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.